When on the hunt for a new apartment, we obviously all have things that are kind of non-negotiables for us. I would say for me, top of that list is probably natural light. Just because I know myself, I know I'm more productive throughout the day. I'm honestly just happier throughout the day when I'm getting a lot of natural light. And it's important to know what you want and then really to be able to get that. You know, this is your space that you're living in. So apartments.com has helped millions of renters find their perfect place with powerful search tools to help find a rental listing that checks all your specific unique boxes. So first of all, they have 3D virtual tours. So when you can't be there in person, you can take a tour of your possible future home, which is huge because it's one thing for someone to send you photos or to tell you about it, but really to be able to do kind of a virtual walkthrough to me is huge. Also, apartments.com has the most pet-friendly rental listings on the internet, and they have amenity filters, so you can make sure your possible future home has all the amenities you need, whether that's in-unit washer-dryer, air conditioning, dishwasher, balcony. For me, in my next place, in-unit washer-dryer is like hands down, very, very high. So visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome back to another episode of Usual. Hi, Em. Thank God we didn't upload this episode literally 30 minutes earlier, huh? I mean, truly. You guys, full disclosure, this was done, ready to go, sent to our producer, and then the news broke that Ariana got married this weekend. So we like emailed our producer in a panic and we were like, halt the upload. We have to redo the intro. Thank God we did. We would have been so upset if we had to wait till next week to discuss this. I know. I mean, here's the thing. We honestly don't know much yet. The only thing we really know is that they apparently got married at their home in Montecito. It was a small ceremony, under 20 people, just family and loved ones. Also, keep in mind, this house, Ariana bought the house from Ellen DeGeneres and Portia de Rossi for a little bit under $7 million in May. And it's like a very historic home. It's beautiful. It has two separate barns that were originally built in England during the 1700s. It was then dismantled and reconstructed in California as one home. So it's really a gorgeous place. I can only imagine how stunning, even if a little bit minimalistic, like quote minimalistic, how stunning the wedding must be. Oh, I'm sure it was absolutely beautiful. Yeah, because they started dating January 2020. They got engaged Christmas time. So It's funny. I don't know if you feel this way or anybody listening feels this way. I knew they were engaged. Obviously, what follows an engagement is a marriage, but I just wasn't thinking about it. Like the idea of Ariana Grande getting married was nowhere in my consciousness. No, I felt that way too. I was weirdly surprised when they announced this, even though she was engaged. I think the reason I was surprised also is because they started dating in January 2020. So they haven't really experienced life as a couple outside of the pandemic. I mean, they obviously had a couple of months in the beginning, but we know that they quarantined together and that's when they got really close and they were engaged by Christmas time. So I guess part of me was like, oh, maybe they might want to just experience life a little bit more outside of this bubble before moving forward with the wedding. But I apparently from everyone that was there, which is a very few amount of people, it was a beautiful ceremony. They seem very much in love. So I'm extremely excited for the two of them. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, a lot of couples got divorced during this time because being together just showed them so many things they had been suppressing. And then I guess other couples, this was really a time when their love kind of blossomed. I don't know, but she seems to be so happy with him. And I was reading an article about it earlier, which we've known for a while that he's definitely not the type that wants to be famous, but he like very much is on board for what comes with dating somebody of her fame level. So If they're happy, that's all that matters. And I just, I'm so glad that we didn't upload a podcast and then this would have broke. Me too, very much so. (laughs) 
So in this episode, we talked Olivia Munn and John Mulaney, Prince Harry on Armchair Expert, The End of Ellen. We then talked about Shannon Mokler and Travis, a little Courtney and Scott. Honestly, I think we had really good discussions. Like when I was listening back, I liked the Ellen conversation. I liked them all. Yeah, me too, very much. And then in a second, I'm going to tell you guys our highlighted Black-owned business, but this month is AAPI Heritage Month. And so what we decided to do is for each of the remaining episodes in May, which I think is six or seven more episodes, we're going to put three Asian-owned businesses in the description. We put together a list of all different genres, all different types, just like really cool businesses that we really like. And so hopefully by the end, we'll be able to highlight between 18 and 21. And then at the end, we're going to put those in a highlight on our page. So definitely check those out. And our highlighted Black-owned business is called The Fond Home. It was founded by a woman named Morgan and is basically just curated beautiful home goods, artwork, garden, kitchenware, really interesting, cool things. I'll put all of the information in the description, but it's thefondhome.com and then at thefondhome on Instagram. Anything else you want to add or should we cut to the episode? No, let's cut to it. Okay. I'm going to put music here. It's not an ad. Don't fast forward. I just feel like we need something to break it up because this is recorded now and everything else was recorded earlier. Hope you guys love this one and we'll see you next week. Let's start out with Olivia Munn and John Mulaney. I know it's all speculation, but it's crazy that last week we were just announcing the divorce and now we're here. That's the beauty of Hollywood, my friend. It really is. I mean, Like I said, everything we know is completely speculatory, but according to a source close to him, this is very, very new. They're taking it slowly. They met at a church in LA. And they first, according to what we read, kind of just connected in social circles a few years ago. They were always friendly. And when he had went into rehab in December, I remember she tweeted, sending so much love and support to John Mulaney, you got this, which... I don't think perked anybody's ears at the time just because he's such a well-loved figure in Hollywood. So many people, you know, fellow co-stars, fellow stars in general, were sending him well wishes. And then on Monday, which we had said when we were recording our podcast, that night he went to City Winery and did his first stand-up post-rehab. Apparently it was very well received. He spoke about the intervention and the rehab experience. And in terms of Olivia, the only other thing that we wanted to mention, this was from an Us Weekly article. In 2015, she had done a conversation with the Huffington Post Live, and she was talking about John, and she says, quote, we were at a wedding dinner together, and I was like, oh my gosh, do you and your fiance want to go have dinner or something and go hang out? At first, it was cool, and then I kept going up to him at the wedding like, so, are you having fun? I was just so obsessed with hanging out with him and talking to him. And she also said that later, she had sent him an email, but he never emailed back. She's like, I might have gotten the wrong email, probably. That's what I tell myself which is so minor, but it's just funny to mention, you know, in retrospect. Well, I absolutely love when things like that come out because the first thing that came out alluding to some sort of connection or friendship that they had previously was her tweeting her well wishes to him. And while that's obviously so great, it it was kind of par for the course for everybody at the time. You would be a little bit hard pressed to find a celebrity that wasn't publicly wishing him well, just because he is so well known and so well liked and so well supported that everyone kind of rallied around him. So that didn't really stick out to me, the tweet, but her talking about being at a wedding with him and following around and not really knowing how to act with him. That is such a crazy indicator of what's going on now. And that is, I find oftentimes when celebrities start dating like this, there is usually some precursor event that has a funny story behind it. 
There is. And I think oftentimes what happens is that once they go public with a relationship and they're doing an interview, one of them, they'll mention it. It's not always that a funny anecdote like that has already been reported. So she clearly said that very innocently. I mean, he was fully married at the time. There was no malintent in her saying that. But it's so funny to look back on because I wonder if she, and I don't mean this to sound bad. I don't think she would do it in like this vicious way. But I wonder if when she found out about the divorce was like, hey, let me kind of shoot my shot. (laughs) Well, that's my question because this article says that they met at church. So it must mean that they reconnected at church, correct? Because they've already previously known each other. So I wonder what that conversation was like in terms of them seeing each other at church, because it's not one where they have to introduce themselves unless John Mulaney forgot that they had met at a wedding previously. Right, which feels unlikely. No, yeah, I, I don't think you forget meeting Olivia Munn. Right. Also, just quickly, her three most recent relationships were with Joel Kinnaman, 2012 to 2014, Aaron Rodgers, a big one, 2014 to 2017, and then most recently, Tucker Roberts from 2018 to 2019. So in the last two years, there hasn't been anybody that she's been strongly linked to. No, there hasn't. Aaron Rodgers was definitely her last serious relationship. You know, there's also an interesting background there with her earlier relationships because she dated Chris Pine, Brian Greenberg, but there also in 2010 were rumors circulating that she had had this three-day fling with Justin Timberlake while he was dating Jessica Biel. And his reps obviously denied it, but that story always, you know, circulates every so often. Every so often. You know, it's actually funny that hasn't ever gotten the legs that I feel it would have in a way. (laughs) Yeah. And get the time it did, but there was very little proof surrounding it. I don't remember the full story, but I do remember at the time it was a very big deal. Once he denied it, the story kind of died out, which does seem like a little bit of his MO. But it does every so often come up, especially when you're just examining Justin Timberlake and Jessica Biel's relationship. And Olivia Munn, kind of that story becomes a pawn in that dialogue rather than talking about Olivia Munn and using that as an example. Right, for sure. Also, I know nothing about them personally, but strictly from an aesthetic perspective, Chris Pine and Olivia Munn, I, I can't think of a more gorgeous couple. Oh, same. I Chris Pine and anybody, Olivia Munn and anybody. I do think that this Olivia Munn and John Mulaney relationship is very interesting. And I'm very curious to see how it plays out. The reason that I'm so intrigued by it is because when you look at somebody like John Mulaney, who was in a relationship or engaged or married before his real peak of fame. It's always interesting to see what happens after that relationship ends when you're now thrust into real big fame rather than just comedian level fame, because there is a difference between those two things typically. Oh, of course. I mean, yeah, I, I I think about that all the time, not just with him, with so many celebrities. And we see that happen. I mean, there are some that really make it, and then there are others that that could be the cause. I'm not saying that this was the case here, but you never know. I, I just – I don't know if you guys saw this, but initially when the rumors first came out, he was really being taken to town on Twitter, just people coming for him saying that it was too soon. And like, who the fuck is anybody to have any input as to how quickly he chooses to move on or not to move on? And also, we have no idea what went on in the relationship with his wife. I think my sense from what I saw on Twitter was that people felt, based on her statement, which we talked about last week, that she basically said she was shocked as well as to him filing for divorce. I think people felt a sense of like protectiveness over her in a way. But I don't, you know, it's just... (laughs) 
doesn't work like that. No, it doesn't. And everyone always thinks they know what happens behind the scenes or they think that they can gather enough information to make a judgment call about what happened. But the fact of the matter is we don't know what happened. And while his what his ex-wife now or separated wife now statement was really interesting regarding the fact that she basically said she was surprised by the decision to then be dating somebody a couple of days later, that dynamic and that way of announcing is somewhat telling. We still don't know that background. And I think you can very much compare this circumstance to the Olivia Wilde, Harry Styles relationship in a lot of ways, just in terms of divorce and moving on seemingly quickly and people feeling this real sense of ownership. John Mulaney has a very similar effect to Harry Styles, I find, especially in very similar demographics, which seems weird to say because they seemingly don't have much in common. But they both project this very wholesome image and very well-respected in their industries. So they are two people where people also feel a real sense of ownership over them. And I think with Harry and Olivia, they took that out on Olivia just in their whole relationship. They really demonized her. I think in this case with John Mulaney and his ex-wife or his you know current wife, they their ownership over John Mulaney kind of translated into a little bit of frustration with him, especially because they know so much of his stand-up is about his wife and loving his wife. So I think that ownership, as we always talk about, sometimes it goes against other people and sometimes it goes against the person that you feel that sense over. And I think that's what happened here. Totally. And I have two points there because the first is in regard to what you said about his craft, I definitely think that people feel once they can relate to his content, all of a sudden they feel more of a sense of ownership. It just, that's just naturally what people do with entertainers. But second of all, going back to the Harry Styles thing, you know, the other reason that people took it out on Olivia quote is partially because of the Jason Sudeikis element. And I think in all of it, you know, Jason Sudeikis is very beloved and people really do feel the sense of sadness for him. And so that was undoubtedly, I think, a part of the Harry Olivia situation. Yes, of course, there are elements of misogyny intertwined there, but on a very basic level, like Olivia does not have a counterpart at the moment. And so let's say, hypothetically speaking, if she did, and it was somebody that is as widely loved and viewed to be you know, so respected as Jason Sudeikis, I wonder how that would change things. Yeah, definitely. I also think that in terms of the reactions to Olivia Wilde and John Mulaney, I saw an interesting conversation on Twitter about it because while people were seemingly disappointed in John Mulaney and pointing a lot of fingers at the disillusion of his marriage, I do think that there was a certain element that was different in terms of the way he was received versus the way that Olivia Wilde was received after this. And I think that there was a lot more misogyny fueled in regard to her relationship and the end of her relationship that people were pointing at her. And that was more hateful. Whereas with John Mulaney, a lot of it was just more disappointment. And there was a definite imbalance there in terms of reaction. Yeah, it's very clear, you know, and I actually think, like you said, even though Harry and John are different. In a lot of ways, you can draw a lot of similarities. And I actually think this is a pretty good case study to look at the two just solely from a public reaction standpoint, because you're right. You're It's, it's, it's very evident, actually. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't know, you guys. I mean, I am curious about this. I do think, I know it's all speculatory, but I do think there's truth to this. I'm not saying they're ending up together. I'm not saying they're seriously dating. But that quote from the interview just showed to me 
I don't mean to be reaching, but it did show to me an interest level that has existed for a while now. And so think about it in your own life. If there was a guy that you were acknowledging their magnificence, not in any way that was inappropriate, given the fact that they were in a relationship, if you find out that they're single, who knows? Right, exactly. Especially when you're Olivia Munn. Well, that's the thing. I mean, she could, to me, like, to me, I put her in like the Megan Fox category. You know what? She actually, I always associate the two of them together. I know there is like a similar, a similarity in energy. I have no idea astrologically, but yeah, there is, right? What is it? Just so powerful? Yeah, I think um, obviously they're both beautiful, but I think there's definitely both of them have an edge to them that is a very attractive quality, especially in Hollywood. And I don't know, I always have just associated them to be very similar people. I, I don't know too much about Olivia Munn. I've always really liked her. I find the roles they play to be somewhat similar as well. Um, I'm sure there's also an element of being sexualized from a young age in Hollywood that applies to both of them. We know that about Megan Fox. I believe Olivia Munn also is somebody that that applied to as well. So yeah, I, I think that there's just definite similarities there. There are. And I think if I had to choose like a set of words to describe what I'm thinking about as I think about it, like kind of they both give off this take no shit attitude, which I find to be really attractive specifically in a woman. Right. I also think they look alike. Well, they're just so gorgeous. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll keep you guys posted on that. And also, unrelated kind of, but has we ever found out Olivia Munn's thoughts on Aaron Rodgers and Shailene Woodley? No, I don't think we have. But that could also be because Aaron Rodgers was with Danica Patrick in between that. So maybe the idea of him being in a serious relationship, she's already moved on from the idea of because there was one in between and it wasn't just her to Shailene Woodley. Yeah, very possible. I don't know. Watch this space, guys. We'll Hopefully more will develop coming next week. I hope so. I think we're going to see start to see that typical uh, out to dinner in LA paparazzi photo emerge. Mm-hmm, like a Craig situation. Oh yeah, I, I think we'll see a little bit of handholding. It'll be just enough evidence to know something's going on, but not enough that we can a hundred percent confirm it. It'll be interesting to see. Well, let me tell you something. We on this very podcast manifested a Courtney Travis Megan MGK double date paparazzi picture, and we got that. So, from our mouth to God's ears. True, kiddo. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify Eye Drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. So next thing we wanted to talk about was Prince Harry was on Armchair Expert last week, which is Dax Shepard's podcast co-hosted by Monica Padman. And we'll get into some of the major takeaways, but just in general, it's so crazy to me that we're in this world where 
Prince Harry is like casually on Dak Shepard's podcast. That would never have happened a few years ago. And to me, that is such a small thing, but it's so representative of like really their shift into LA life and into Hollywood. And I don't want to say into normalcy because none of this is normal, but just even the ability to be able to go on a podcast, which would have never happened. Well, it's interesting that you say the shift into normalcy because that is the thing that always surprises me about Prince Harry, especially with what we've seen of him recently, the interview with Oprah, the new show he has with Oprah coming out about mental health, the carpool karaoke he did. The normalcy of him is, it just catches me off guard every single time. And obviously his life, whether it was a royal life or an LA life is not quote normal by any means, but there's just something about what he's saying and the way he speaks and the references he makes and the things he's aware of in terms of media and entertainment, it just catches me really off guard because I don't expect him to be aware of any of those things. I think when you think of Prince Harry and the lifestyle that he's lived and what your view of the Royals are, you expect that all of these funny references that he makes talking about Joe Rogan, talking about, when he was on James Corden, he knew the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme song. Like You expect these things to be things that are just go over his head entirely because he wouldn't be aware of them. And so for him to be talking about these things in such a normal way was my biggest takeaway from the whole interview. I know. You're, you're so right. I feel the same way. It's this repeated taken aback that I am. And I feel that I have watched enough things that he has been in and I've heard him talk enough to not feel that. But I think a lot of it did come from the fact that it was a podcast, which as I always say is a really intimate form of communication. But Dax is like a very regular guy for being as famous and as wealthy as he is. And I think what I really appreciated, which I think a lot of people feel just listening to Armchair Expert in general, this happens, but Harry was down to just get right in it with him. You know, there was no sense of kind of, to me at least, it didn't feel like it took him a moment to get comfortable. I felt like he was right there to make those jokes and to engage in some of the humor that Dax does in a way where it just felt very comfortable. It did. It felt incredibly comfortable. It felt like, yeah, I don't even know. I just listened to the entire thing and was so interested by everything both of them were saying. And the conversations that they were having, I think that's what it is about Prince Harry also, is that he has such a good grasp on everything. Like when he's talking about mental health, he's talking about family, he's talking about therapy, he's talking about understanding and immersing himself in this new culture that he's a part of that's different than his old culture. And he just seems to really grasp everything and speak about it in such an intelligent and informative way that I think that's also why when he says really normal things, you're like, how how are both of those things existing at the same time? But they very much do. Yeah. And I think for me, just like Prince Harry aside, I always will appreciate anybody in the public eye that talks about their experience with therapy and mental health as openly as he's doing, just because I think only good can come from that for like the greater good. Of course, I recognize there's a very big promotional element to this because their Apple TV series with Oprah actually premieres today. But it was that coupled with the fact, and then we'll get into some of the actual takeaways, but clearly different experiences. Dax has gone through a lot of shit in his own life, and he has been through a lot of therapy. And so in a certain way, they were talking about it, and there was no there was this mutual sense of no judgment. And they could almost talk in terms that you only could talk in if you have been through therapy. And I really appreciated that. 
Oh, absolutely. And there was also this sense that you picked up of a very mutual admiration. Like you can tell very much that Prince Harry specifically wanted to do this because of Dax's experience with therapy and mental health. And that's why he kind of either agreed to do it or sought it out. I'm not sure which one of the two. But on the other hand of that, you could also tell that Dax was very not only understanding of the things that Prince Harry was saying, but really appreciative and like very much so acknowledging the fact that it must be hard to speak about mental health on a public platform when you come from such a place of privilege. And Dax did this thing that I thought was really helpful that where he kept reminding Harry that like he is in awe of the fact that Harry's willing to do this knowing the backlash that Harry could possibly get and will get based on the media reaction that he's already received. And I thought that created a really great dynamic between the two of them. Yes. You want to know the word that comes to mind when I think about it? For me, it was like Harry felt safe. And I feel like in a year where he has felt so unsafe, Dax and Monica provided him a space to genuinely just feel safe to discuss, even knowing what could happen the second they stop recording and the second it goes out. But that safety to me, and I don't know if this is how everybody else felt, to me, it was very felt. Yes, I definitely agree with that. So one of the first things he said in regards to therapy was how Megan was the one that kind of advised him to go. He says, quote, she could tell right away that I was hurting. Once I started doing therapy, it was like the bubble was burst. I plucked my head out of the sand and gave it a good shake off. And I was like, you're in this position of privilege. Stop complaining and stop thinking you want something different. Make this different because you can't get out. How are you going to do these things differently? How are you going to make your mom proud and use this platform to really affect change? He also spoke about being a royal. And he says, quote, the biggest issue for me was that being born into it, you inherit the risk. You inherit the risk that comes with it. You inherit every element of it without choice. And because of the way that the UK media are, they feel an ownership over you. Again, that goes back to the same idea of people who are going to be critical of him speaking about mental health when he comes from such a place of privilege, because there are just people whose thought process aligns with that. And it's kind of devout of thought or any reason. They just see Prince Harry and the life he's lived and assume that him speaking out about mental health is just, it kind of, in their mind, might cross a line. So I think that the reminder in this episode of him saying over and over again, like, I understand the privilege. I also understand that mental health kind of, it it doesn't get to pick and choose who's privileged and who isn't. And there's a lot of stuff that comes along with being royal that obviously no one else could understand. And some of those things are really great and privileged. And some of those are really, really difficult to deal with. Also, this is somebody who lost his mom at a very, very, very young age in a very awful way, in a very public way. So the idea that he is somebody that can't represent mental health is kind of ridiculous to me on any level for anybody to see because you're dealing with somebody who went through one of the most tragic circumstances at in one of the most public ways that you've ever seen. And only now is he really coming to terms with what happened as he sees it affecting himself and his own family. And I think that as the public, we can't even begin to acknowledge the pain and anger he must feel for the circumstance that not only he is in, that was kind of out of his control, but also mainly that his mom was in. Well, that's the thing. It's the very thing that pretty much killed his mom or is one of the big reasons for her death is the same thing that was kind of torturing him. That's what he was trying to escape from. And he said it, you know, he was like, 
look what the media did to my mom. How am I ever going to settle down and have a wife and family when I know that it's going to happen again? And so it's just so clear, not just in this interview, but in a lot of other things he has said, that that was always looming over him. How could it not be? You know, the parallels were too strong and were too scary. Right, exactly. And on top of all of that, we also know that Diana dealt with her own share of just a lot of mental health issues. She was bulimic. She had attempted suicide on more than one occasion. So there is also this element of mental health awareness that goes just beyond Harry or the media or anything else and is just I have somebody that I know suffered firsthand from it. It was at a time where not only was that not something that people were really able to get help for, but it was also really widely ignored, especially when it came to my mom. And I'm creating a better generation and looking forward to better things happening. And I'm going to use my own ability to create that change because he understands firsthand what that's like. I think when we think of Harry and Diana, we think so much about just her death. Like we focus so much on that one element of it. Diana had a whole life beforehand where she was a mother who also struggled with a lot of different things and received really no help or no aid for those things. So it's all about, and he says that in terms of parenting also in a certain point, it's all about just creating better for what's next. Right. Which I think is a message that Dax really specifically appreciates. And we'll talk about that in a second with, you know, a lot of other elements. But yes, that was very widely felt. And when he spoke about, you know, his Achilles heel being feeling helpless. And he said there were three times in his life that he has felt completely helpless. And he outlined that. And he says, the first was when I was a kid in the back of a car with my mom being chased by paparazzi. The second was in Afghanistan in an Apache helicopter. And then the third one was with my wife. And I was, you know, as I was listening to that, I was just thinking those are really three very intense moments in one's life, typically things that I think your average person doesn't experience one, right? Yeah. And three very different experiences as well. To have the experience of your mom being chased down by paparazzi when you're a child and having that be such a cemented memory to then the next helpless feeling being a combat zone. Like those are two very, very different things that Harry is the only person who has that unique experience of being able to really understand. And I think that that also is an issue in terms of people not understanding Harry or the Royals or the Meghan and Harry thing is that his experiences are so far from what the average person experiences that it's hard to relate. And I think as people, when we empathize with people, most of that empathy comes from the ability to relate. So people who seem to lack this empathy chip when dealing with Harry and Meghan, I think so much of it comes from the fact that they couldn't possibly even understand on any level what that is like and what he has been through. Right. It's a scale that most people can't comprehend. And, you know, when he was talking, he like made a comment about how Orlando Bloom and Katy Perry live close to them. And he was talking to Orlando because they, you know, just keep in touch. And also as it applies to paparazzi and Orlando was telling him about this paparazzi that camps out in this car and there's a woman driving and he lays down and he has this long lens and it's, you know, blacked out windows. And you could hear in his voice, this was not just somebody that was upset by this one paparazzi or this one experience. He, in like the deepest level of his soul, feels that it is such a violation, which I completely agree. But 
even if you didn't know anything about Diana, if you were coming into this somehow and didn't know any background, you could tell as he's speaking about it that this is layered, that it's not just about this one experience. It's not just about what has happened to him in recent years. It's so clearly like trauma that he has internalized and it comes out when dealing with these individual you know, encounters with the media. But it was, it was very sad, honestly. I mean, it was a beautiful conversation and I was so glad to listen, but there were times when I just felt such a sense of sadness in, in combination with happiness for him that he has, you know, liberated him and his family. But it's just, it's just, it's just sad. No, it is. And I always feel that way as well. And I think that's something else that's a really interesting take is to look at a situation that most people would admire or want or crave just in terms of fame or money or success or royalty. And to be on the other side of that saying like, I mean, I wouldn't want that at all. There's no no amount of the money in the world that would make me want to have that lifestyle because it's not one that I crave. And I think there are two types of people in the world where people who are kind of similar to the way you and I operate in the sense of like, no, there's nothing that's worth like that invasion of privacy or that restriction of freedom Obviously, there are people that would take that, but I'm just saying like for a lot of people that doesn't appeal to them. And then there are people where it's like, oh, that would be my biggest goal in the entire world to have that level of fame or that level of royalty or that level of admiration. So there's really two very different approaches when you're looking at the Harry thing, because for me, I look at it and I look at the way he's describing his life and I'm like, that is so sad. I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want to be so restricted in everything I do and feel so under a microscope all the time. And I tend to focus on like the really negative aspects of those things where I think a lot of people focus on like the really positive elements of those things. Right. And also just naturally the financial benefits that do come with that and the notoriety and the connections, which, you know, that's the privilege. And he spoke about that a lot. And I also thought, cause he made a comment like, you know, I was, I was born into this. Right. And that's when Dax was talking to him about the rule that him and Kristen had passed with some of the paparazzi of not being able to photograph children. Not that all of them have agreed to that. I think he said it was Daily Mail and TMZ that haven't. But that's what he was saying. He's like, you know what? Me and Kristen decided to do this as individual people. And then as a couple, we decided to have this life. Our kids didn't choose this, you know, and Harry was kind of remarking similar to Archie. Right. Well, also, there was very recently a photo of Archie that leaked of Megan picking him up from his first day of school. And for Harry, he was saying like that was an introduction to the American media as well. Obviously, so much of what Harry has been talking about has been the British media and the way he's been treated. And the American media towards Harry is, of course, going to be different. It's not the same sense of ownership. It's not the same history with the royal family, but there are elements of the American media that are going to be damaging as well. Yes. Yes. You're right. That I think was his first real kind of wake up call. Right. And I think that for him, he going forward is going to put in different ways to protect his family and protect his children from the American media. But I think he still is grateful for the fact that this media is different than the other and he kind of can put things in place to avoid what he doesn't like about the American media versus the British media where there was nothing he could have done to avoid that. Well, no, but also because he wasn't operating alone in that situation, right? Like he wasn't allowed to separate himself from them because that then is impacting his family, right? Like as we know, they are very much in cahoots in terms of what the 
royal family communicates to the media. And yes, while they're their enemy, they're also kind of their biggest crutch. So he couldn't have done anything to jeopardize that. Like he wasn't really alone in it. Whereas now it's really up to him and Megan what they decide or do not decide to do as it applies to media coverage. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. It was a good one. I, I, I really think it's worth the listen. I personally am not like a religious armchair expert listener, but when I do, I always really appreciate the conversations. And I also just think that it's so important that Dax has Monica as his co-host because she provides just like a vibe to the conversations that would not be there without her. I think I don't think Dax's intensity is a bad thing at all, but I think at times he really looks to her to kind of balance the conversation. And personally, as a listener, I don't know if other people feel this way. I very much appreciate her presence. Yeah, I so agree. There's definitely a balance there that she provides that is a necessity to it. And even during this interview, like there were so many topics that were very serious that was touched on, but there was also a lightness to the interview and there was a levity and they were funny and they interacted really well. And there were certain times where Dax would say something and I'd be like, oh my God, I cannot believe he just said that to Prince Harry. And Prince Harry was such a good sport or received it so well because that's kind of Prince Harry's personality as is. And Monica being there to really balance it out, I felt was able to achieve that balance of funny comedy, really showcasing both of their personalities or all three of their personalities and also staying on track, keeping the conversation about what it was, keeping it about mental health and the seriousness that they were talking about. And that's what I think really made it such a great conversation. Yes, there were definitely moments. I so agree when Dax, like I was saying to you earlier, when I forget what Prince Harry said, but Dax responds and he's like, yeah, I mean, I'm three quarters erect. And you see, you know, Harry laughs and Monica kind of makes a comment about it. But it was just those moments. That is a perfect example of when I kind of had an out-of-body experience of like, am I listening to Prince Harry on a podcast with Dax Shepard and he just mentioned his penis? Like, only because it's fucking a Prince Harry. (laughs) Right. And the interview starts off with Dax commenting on the infamous pictures of Prince Harry being naked in Vegas, which obviously are so, so well known and so heavily circulated at the time. And it's just funny to me that right off the bat, Dax felt comfortable enough to bring up those photos to Harry who was sitting there. And Harry obviously was able to help Dax create an environment where he felt comfortable enough to do so. Um, But that's also the other thing about Harry that I felt was so great is he really is so funny and so personable and you just don't expect that. And Harry always had this reputation of kind of like the bad boy royal. So I guess if you've been following him for a really long time and kind of watching his journey and his trajectory and that transformation, it makes more sense to you that Harry is like that versus if you just started paying attention and you see Harry as this family man who took a really big decision and left the Royals and is very serious about his family. And that is obviously the tone of the interview is probably going to be a little bit surprising to you because you don't view Harry in that way. Right. For sure. But he, and, but even if you weren't that familiar, which I think most people were, he spoke to those partying years, you know, him and Dax could relate on some of those elements. And I think like he just balanced it really well. I just have nothing but good things to say about this. Honestly, I thought it was a good listen and I would definitely recommend it if anybody's interested. Yeah, me as well. We all get bogged down with the mundane tasks of life, especially this time of year. But isn't it time you take a break from your normal, boring routine? Don't just sit on the sidelines and watch life go by. Get in the game with the bold tropical lime flavor of Mountain Dew Baja Blast. You can be having a blast anywhere. 
Having a blast at work, having a blast in traffic, having a blast while you file your taxes. No, really, we mean it when we say anywhere. With Baja Blast now in stores everywhere, you can be having a blast whenever and wherever you are all year long. So what are you waiting for? Pick up an ice cold Baja Blast today at a store near you. And for a limited time, with every purchase of Baja Blast in stores and at participating Taco Bell locations, you can collect coins for a chance to get Baja gear or a Taco Bell deal. This swag is available for a limited time only, so don't wait. Grab a Baja Blast and start having a blast right away. No purchase necessary, open to U.S. residents 18 or older, subject to official rules at BajaBlast.com. Ends June 15, 2024. Void where prohibited. I'm sure you all saw this, but last Wednesday, Ellen announced that she's ending her show after 19 seasons, ending in 2022. And she basically did this exclusive interview with The Hollywood Reporter, and she says, quote, When you're a creative person, you constantly need to be challenged. And as great as the show is and as fun as it is, it's just not a challenge anymore. We'll get into this, some of what she said in the interview, and then also what she said with Savannah. But I quickly just want to go over some of the numbers because there was definitely a decline both in viewership and then as a result of that in ad revenue. So since September, the show has lost more than a million viewers, which is a bigger drop than any of her competitors have gone through this season. Also, she averages about 1.4 million viewers 2020 to 2021, which is a 44% decline from 2.6 million last season. And then as it comes to money, between September and February, the show brought in 127.6 million in advertising revenue. I know that sounds like a fuck ton of money, which it is, but this was actually down from 163.8 million in the same six months from last season. So it's about a 22% decline. We'll get into it. I just think that that's important context to have at the front end, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. And I think those are the numbers that people are also really curious about. We'll get into a few of these things, but basically the interviewer was kind of asking her about when all of those allegations came out. And they said, you mentioned that it almost impacted the show. What did you mean by that? Were there moments in there where you thought, I don't want to come back to this? She says, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was four solid months. And you have to understand in that time, Someone got into our house and robbed us, and I lost four animals. Three cats and a dog died. It was a tsunami. When it started with that stupid, quote, someone couldn't look me in the eye or whatever the first thing was, it's like a crest of a wave. Like, this isn't going to be that big of a wave, and then it just keeps getting bigger and bigger until it was out of control. And I really honestly felt like, I don't deserve this. I don't need this. I know who I am. I'm a good person. And I was sitting back going, if I was someone watching this, I would think, well, there must be some truth to it because it's not stopping. Of course they're going to believe this because I'm not addressing it because I was told not to. And you can imagine what that felt like. And it's a lot to live up to. I started saying be kind to one another because I really believe people should be kind to one another. And so it was easy clickbait to say, oh, the be kind lady isn't so kind. I am kind. I'm also a woman and I'm a boss. Do you want to discuss that or should we move on to what she said about Savannah and then discuss it all together? Let's let's read the Savannah and then we'll discuss it all together because I obviously have a lot to say. Yeah, same. So she spoke with Savannah Guthrie on today and she was talking about the media coverage and she said that she felt it was misogynistic and coordinated, but that that's not the reason she's quitting. She says, quote, if it was why I was quitting, I wouldn't have come back this year. I really did think about not coming back because it did, you know, it was devastating. I'm a kind person. I'm a person who likes to make people happy. And she also was saying that she didn't understand what happened last summer with the workplace allegations against her. She said she was really kind of caught off guard by the entire scandal, not only by the Twitter thread that kicked off last March, but then also by just the reports from different crew members. 
And then she was talking about how in July, the allegations of the toxic work environment came. There was that investigation. She said, quote, I really didn't understand it. I still don't understand it. It was too orchestrated. It was too coordinated. And people get picked on, but for four months straight for me, and then for me to read in the press about a toxic work environment when all I've ever heard from every guest that comes on the show is what a happy atmosphere this is and what a happy place it is. <laughs> Do you want me to go? Sure. You know, it's funny that she has the awareness to say, I still don't get it because she clearly still doesn't get it. And that last quote is exactly why when she's saying from every single guest who has come on has said it's such a lovely environment. The whole point of the conversations that were happening during the summer and surrounding Ellen and the workplace and all of that had nothing to do with the guests that she had on her show. And I know we've spoke about this kind of at length already, so we don't have to get too much into it. But the whole thing here is that she really still doesn't get what happened. So how could she ever acknowledge it? She in her mind is still having this, but it's such a great environment when guests come on. Of course, you're treating celebrities well. That was never the conversation. There were a couple of people who came on your show that said it wasn't as great as everyone made it out to be. But the the bulk of the conversation had nothing to do with guests and everything to do with the people that actually worked on your show. So the lack of acknowledgement for those people is what really rubbed me the wrong way in all of this. That is exactly what I was going to say. That last line is the most telling because in the scheme of all of it, I think it was Nikki Tutorials who outwardly said it and then Dakota Johnson just based on the way that she has acted and maybe a few others here and there. That was never the focus here. And it's so you know, I think the first reaction is people are like, oh my God, can't she just take accountability? You can only take accountability if you understand what was done wrong. And she isn't even allowing herself to get there. I mean, listen, I don't know Ellen personally. I know nothing about her in terms of personal interaction. But if every single person who works at your place of work that you are in charge of is feeling a certain way, what a slap in the face to completely disengage from that and not even acknowledge it to have any sort of truth and to completely pin it as this coordinated attack when there have been stories internally for years and it's only now that it just came out. It just felt unbelievably tone deaf to me. And honestly, I hope this isn't the case, but there was a part of me that was like, can't you just fake it for a second? Like, can't you just apologize that you made people feel that way, even if it wasn't your intention, but to completely put it on them as if it had to be false just because you don't understand it of course you were never going to understand it. That's the whole thing. People were too afraid of you to ever come to you. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it's funny because a lot of people were talking on Twitter about how, like, there's no way that her ending the show was a result of just wanting to end it. It had to do with what went on. It had to do with the ratings. It had to do with the numbers and the money. And I do obviously believe that most of that is true. Like, it, it has to have played a huge element in it. But I have to say... I think she's been over the show for a while. If you watch the interviews that she's done in the past year or two years, three years even maybe, she's just not present for it. And I really realized that during the conversations that were taking place surrounding Ellen and surrounding the show in the workplace environment. But people were also pointing out the way she was acting herself on her show. And there was 100% cases where she is just so non-engaged, just sitting there kind of glazed over doing this because it feels like she has to almost operating an autopilot. So I don't think it's entirely untrue that she was over the show. I think she definitely was. But the bulk of this comes from the ratings and the money and the lack of or the downward trends of viewership. Oh, I 
very much agree. I think both can be true. I don't think it takes away the legitimacy from one of them. And that's never more evident than in her conversation with Savannah. I mean, she was like, for lack of a better word, just pissed to be there. (laughs) I don't know if this is fair to say, but it almost felt like the facade that she has had to keep up for so many years is fading and she no longer is willing to keep it up. It's just too much work. That's the, that is the vibe that I got. Yes, that is 110% it. The facade is fading. She was able to really put out this very orchestrated persona of herself. And when everything else came out and came to light, it's impossible to fully get back to the person that you've convinced everyone you were. Like there was just people shone a light on that situation and she'll never be able to get back those people who now view her differently. And I think for Ellen... She is somebody where once that persona and that wall was down, there was no reason for her to continue because she couldn't operate in the way that she had intended to. And also keeping up a persona that isn't your persona is exhausting. And it always, always, always falls down eventually because you have to be so on 100% of the time and no one can do that. No one can be on 100% of the time. Exactly. I think she was tired of being on and it was very evident in that last conversation. I just, here's the thing though. She's going to be fine. First of all, she has more money than God. She's not losing any of her friendships with, between her circle with people that she's actually friends with and the celebrities. So she will be fine. And she has enough, you know, clout or enough respect in the industry because to a certain degree, I mean, she is good at what she does. It's not like she may be a, a terrible person, but she's not a terrible talk show host. If she was a terrible talk show host, she wouldn't have all these seasons. So she will be fine. You know, like this is probably the the best thing that she could do for her own sanity. And I think for other people's sake, let's give that, you know, spot to somebody else that is far more deserving and uh, far more excited to be there. And I just, this whole thing was, you got, just read the interview and you guys will see exactly what we're talking about and watch the, or if you want to just watch her uh, conversation with Savannah, it's very evident. I think the time has come. I think the funny thing for me about the Savannah interview that I noticed a lot was just that one part where Savannah's asking her why 19 seasons and not 20. And she's getting so defensive about the fact, like Ellen is getting so defensive about the fact that 19 is a perfectly fine number to end on and not 20. And she shouldn't have to do 20 and 19 is normal. And Savannah was like, kind of kidding. But Ellen was getting so defensive about it. And I was like, that just really shows that this decision was not entirely on her. Yeah, her her first line of defense was like, well, 2020 was a terrible year. Why would we want it to be 20? <laughs> right. Like everyone loves an even number, Ellen. Yeah, tell that to the Kardashians. <laughs> yeah, they did. If they had ended on 19, I would have like rioted. <laughs> we would have sued. I, 19 just makes me uncomfortable. I like, know. I'm happy that Ellen is ending at 19 because it feels fitting. Kardashians ending at 20 makes like the world go round. I just love an even number. I can't help it. Everyone does. Who doesn't? <laughs> okay, let's take a break and we'll come back with the whole Shanna Travis Courtney situation. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. 
Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Okay, one quick note on Courtney and Scott, and then we're going to get into the Shannon Mochler, Travis Barker situation. But I don't know if you guys saw this. This is according to E! News. A source said, quote, Scott and Courtney have a tense relationship right now, primarily because he's been focusing on his new life in Miami and because of Courtney getting serious with Travis. They're barely speaking. It's hard for him to see Courtney in love with someone else. And they were basically saying that they're not fighting by any means, but the nature of their relationship has definitely changed since they haven't spent that much time together as a family recently. Oh, this is like a knife in the heart. Like, this is what I've been talking about. So we obviously do not have to have a long conversation about that fact because I feel like I have spoken about how much this upsets me like ad nauseum. But it is really sad, the fact that we are currently watching this season where Scott is being so open about his fears in terms of the family and his relationship with Courtney, not just a romantic relationship, just about wanting to be close and be able to co-parent together, to now hearing these reports that he's really kind of spending most of his time in Miami and not really on speaking terms with her. And even though he's, they're not fighting, it's just he can't really be around her. And that just, like, it breaks my heart. It does. It breaks my heart as well. I think... Honestly, though, based on what we watched on the show and then simultaneously seeing, you know, the relationship with Travis, it makes total sense. You could have called that this was going to happen because I don't think Scott's in a place to be able to fully be okay with it. But it just sucks. I just feel bad. I think that it will resolve itself. And I think that as things become more normal, you know, this will just have to be the case and he will have to get on board with it. And I don't think it's coming from a place of anger by any means, but I just think it's like this deep sadness that he's, we've seen him trying to fulfill. Yes, exactly. And I don't know if you saw this. I think you did, but somebody had tweeted at Kim during watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians. They obviously always do the live tweeting and they answer a lot of people's questions. And somebody had tweeted saying, you know, Scott is so sad about Keeping Up with the Kardashians ending and I'm so heartbroken for him. And Kim replied to the tweet and said, but Scott Disick is coming with us to Hulu. So I get it, but he will be back. So like that made me feel better too, because not just in terms of his relationship with the family or him having that comfort of the show there. I feel if, even though we don't know what the Hulu show is or what that entails, there will obviously have to be some sort of reconciliation between Courtney and Scott to be able to film this together, assuming they are both partaking in it. So I feel like there has to be some sort of a resolution when that comes to be and more time spent together and maybe Scott being able to accept this current situation and and put it behind him to be able to move forward. Yeah. And just to be super clear, I don't think this is like some vicious situation where, you know, I think to use the term not on speaking terms implies real negativity that I don't think is there. I just think things have not been as easy as he and honestly her also would have liked. Yes, definitely. Okay, let's get into Shannon and Travis, no? Oh, yes. <laughs> so I'm sure some of you guys saw this, some of you haven't, but basically everything we're about to mention has taken place on social media within the last week. And 
I think the best place to start is just the fact that Travis and Courtney posted those photos, both of her tattooing, I love you, and her handwriting on him, and then also him getting a skull to cover up a tattoo on his hand, which we'll get into a little bit later on once we talk about Shanna. Is that the best place to start? Oh, absolutely. I don't want to say I was unfazed, but and I honestly think a lot of that just comes from how heavily tatted he is. And I think we've said that before. Like this is not the kind of thing where if he were to be tattooing her, that would be a whole other conversation. Definitely a whole other conversation. Although again, still a very big deal in terms of just their relationship. Obviously it is not as big deal in terms of his body and the amount of tattoos he has. But I think he has also said in the past that in terms of his tattoos for people that he loves, he's very particular about. So it definitely is like a, a significant move. Yeah, for sure. And honestly, for me, it's less about that, more about Courtney posting it. Right. Also that. So Shanna also last week was at Nurse Jamie getting a tattoo of his name removed. She's in the process. And a lot of haters were, I guess, commenting on her post. And she says in a comment on her IGTV, to my newfound haters, to clarify, since everyone seems to know my personal life, my ex put a skull tattoo over our initials on his hand while his new girl lovingly looked on. That was done with purpose and intent, along with posts to try to insult me and my happiness with my new man. Once again, weird. This is my final session on a tattoo of his name I've been removing for some time. Okay. So that was kind of like the first thing from her. But after that, a lot of the social media interaction actually has to do with their kids. But I think the best place to start is there was this message from Shanna that Not Skinny But Not Fat had posted. We don't know who she was responding to or what it was in response to, but she said a lot. It's kind of confusing, but I'm going to start from the middle. Again, we don't really have much context here. But in this message from Shanna, she wrote, I left Travis because he was emotionally abusive. I left the money in mansions for a reason. Family is all that matters, but I can't compete with kids whose father doesn't encourage relationships with their own mother and purposely tries to alienate them away. Travis controls Bama's social media. However, I get blamed for her sexualization. How does the father allow her to act like that and do lives at 4 a.m.? With men twice her age. I've been legally bullied out. I'm fed up and I'm exhausted. Social media in the media isn't real. I divorced Travis because I caught him having an affair with Kim. Now he's in love with her sister. It's all gross. I'm not the bad guy. Okay. We have seen in the past month or so, Landon and Alabama, who are Shanna and Travis's children together, make comments about how they don't think that Shanna is a good mother. But the most direct response or the most direct statement we saw was Alabama, their 15-year-old daughter, posted that interaction that I just read on her story and wrote, Everybody thinks my mother is amazing. Matthew, who's Shanna's boyfriend, is nothing but awful to her. Not only that, but he cheats on her. My mom has never completely been in my life. Can you guys stop painting her out to be an amazing mom? Did your moms ask to see you on Mother's Day? Because mine didn't. I'm done keeping it a secret. Reality shows. And the next comments took place on TikTok. So there was a video of Landon and Alabama together and some troll comments, two pieces of trash taking sides of their dad only because of his house and treating your mother like trash. And Landon responds, actually, if you weren't such a dumbass, you would realize our mom has never been in our lives and isn't there for us like our dad is. And somebody had commented on Alabama's and said, you're a child, LOL, don't forget that. You also have, you have a ton of life and learning ahead. Also, you should make it a point to see your mom on Mother's Day. And she responded, trust me, I tried multiple times. She said, let's go to dinner another day. I think that is the main stuff that has transpired. Yeah. And very recently, this was the most direct that the kids have been. Other things they have hinted at things in the past or 
this was a real direct response of them being like, we're not hiding the way we feel anymore. Yeah. I just, it really upsets me to see the way that some people are speaking to these children. Like I understand they're children of celebrities. She's 15 years old. You are not allowed to tell any child actually how they should be handling their relationship with their mother or what the mother was or was not to them. This is a child explaining her story. And so I've just seen so many people kind of discrediting that. And that really rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. It's, that rubs me the wrong way. All of it is really sad. I think to see any children, celebrity or not, struggle with a parental relationship, especially a relationship with their mother, is just really hard to see. But obviously, this is all things that we don't have insights to. So we were kind of hypothesizing about the current state of their relationship with their mother, but we didn't have any real insight to this until they came out straightforward and said, this is not an equal relationship that we have with our mom and our dad. It is very different. And it is interesting because you know, the show that they had Meet the Barkers with Shanna and Travis obviously was so long ago. The first season, Alabama wasn't even born yet. So 15 years ago. But the way that Travis was painted in the show by Shanna specifically also was just as being this really overly devoted father. Like his tagline in the beginning of the show was like, meet Travis Barker. He's a devoted dad and a hopeless romantic. And what we've seen of him is kind of very much a continuation of that fact. And I'm only on like the first season of Meet the Barkers. I've been rewatching it a little bit. And Shanna, you know, is definitely a very in- involved parent at the time. Um, so I'm not going to judge her from that time period, although I'm sure things changed as the kids got older. But the way the show painted it out to be was definitely Travis being the responsible party, the responsible parent, incredibly involved father. Yeah, I mean, it was very evident in the show, just kind of like the imbalance, I guess, in parental dynamics. But I'm not going to judge anybody for what happened on a reality show years ago. Who knows and who knows what the deal was. But I will believe a child when they explain how their mother has made them feel. And I just really take issue, not just with them, with any kid in general, specifically famous children, how this the public feels that they know what went down in their household better than they did. And also to tell the kids that it's only because of Travis's money that they want to be with them is really fucked up. <laughs> oh, it's beyond disgusting. A lot of the responses that I've seen of people telling these kids how they should or shouldn't act is really, really gross to me. They have two parents. One of them, obviously, they feel is very involved in their life. One of them is still their parent. It's not for anybody else to decide how they should be living their lives or what they should be doing or how they should be behaving or acting. It's just not the public's responsibility. And I think that that applies to every single celebrity child when the public feels like they have a say over how that child is being raised or should behave or act. It's it's a definitely a trend we see. And right now it is very focused on them because they have become a real center of media attention that I think that probably the kids aren't super used to because they were so young when the show was on. And now they're really at an age where they are much more under a microscope because I think obviously Travis Barker is very famous and very well known. But I don't think for a long time people were really paying attention to the dynamics of his family or what his children were doing. And now obviously because Courtney is in the picture, which I think has been great for all of them as it seems, um, at least Travis and the kids, we're definitely seeing those kids much more under a microscope. And even though they are celebrity children, that level has to be new to them. Of course. I mean, listen, 
it's new to Travis on some level. And listen, I know he has been famous for a very long time and very famous. But what I mean is, I am sure before he was dating Courtney, Travis and his kids could go out to lunch without paparazzi following them. And that is no longer a possibility in their lives at this current moment based on his relationship. It is not meaning that he's more famous now. I recognize he's so successful in his own right. But there are just certain celebrities that the paparazzi are addicted to and the Kardashians are one of them. So yeah, I think it must be really jarring. And they're also growing up. Like Alabama is 15. I know she looks a lot older. I know some of the way that she acts could be perceived as older, but she's not. She's a 15-year-old girl. You know how many psychological changes are happening at that time coupled with the rise in fame? Like the I just, I don't know. I guess I just feel protective over any child that is being told how to feel by adults. It really does not sit right with me. Yeah, totally. And then let's just talk about the elephant in the room, which I feel like we have to acknowledge only because also Aubrey O'Day said it. But the thing about, you know, in Shanna's post saying that Travis and Kim were hooking up at the time, who knows if that's the case? We saw in those interviews previously that he had, you know, said he had a crush on Kim a while ago. This was years ago. But that would be an interesting little plot twist. Yeah, it would. I don't know how true that is. There's definitely been conversations surrounding their friendship or the friendship between Paris and Travis as well, or the relationship between Paris and Travis as well. So there's definitely a dynamic there that's worth exploring. I do think it's interesting because I think something that's happening that will be crazy to watch and continue to watch is there is a part of me that feels like the, what Shanna's doing or maybe what the media is doing is trying to paint Travis and his family out to be people who have this obsession, quote unquote, with the Kardashians. Like, Maybe it seems a little opportunistic to people. I'm obviously not saying I feel that way. I think that they have been incredible family friends for years. The kids obviously feel very safe with Courtney and within Courtney's family, and they've grown this real connection. But it is interesting to watch the other side of this, the people who really aren't into this Courtney and Travis thing, specifically Shanna, try and paint this picture that it has more to do with them being the Kardashians than it has to do with their relationship in general. Yes. And that to me is a little bit absurd, honestly. Oh, it's it's me. It's entirely absurd. Yes. Travis Barker does not need the Kardashians. I mean, he is (laughs) Blink-182 is like one of the most well-known bands. He's a very well-respected musician in his own right. It's a different kind of fame than honestly, I don't even know if most people would want unless you were madly in love. And by the way, if he wanted to capitalize on the Kardashians for their fame, he could have done that a while ago. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't feel that way at all, but I do understand how I do understand how people could end up drawing that conclusion, not just with Travis, but with the entire family. There obviously is an element of the kids that really look up to the Kardashians, not just Courtney. I know that Alabama has posted about Kylie and Kendall before. Like there is definitely a dynamic there where they still view them as uh, not just their family friends or not just Courtney's boyfriend's family, but as definitely celebrities in their lives, which creates for an interesting dynamic. But I don't think by any means that creates for a dynamic where they're in it for the exploitation of the Kardashians by any means. I think that this has just been the natural progression of a very close relationship and a very close family friends that have now progressed to a relationship. And it's obviously going to be new for the kids who have maybe grown up. Yes, Courtney's the family friend, but her extended family or her family that we also really look up to and admire have maybe we haven't always been so close to. So it's a switch in dynamic from like Courtney's family and the coolness of that. So Courtney's family is now family. Mm-hmm. For sure. Honestly, if I was Travis, I would be insulted by that narrative. 
I would 100% too. Also, something I have to say on a completely different subject than Travis and, and the Kardashians, something I've noticed about Travis, especially recently, that I really admire about him and really like is that it seems like every up and comer in terms of music, people who are trying to make a name for themselves, these TikTokers, Jaden, Nessa, um, other people who are just performing and entering the rock space. It feels like Travis has his hand on all of that and is really involved in elevating people to the next level or mentoring them in their craft. I just keep seeing that over and over again and him popping up in places that I don't expect him. And I really, really appreciate that fact about him because you can see he's just a very caring person that is trying to elevate the people in his life, if that makes sense. No, it is. It is clear. I mean, some of the way that, you know, even just some of the TikTokers have spoken about working with him and that experience and how he's really taken them under his wing. And listen, I get it. There's also an element that they're up and coming. So it's mutually beneficial. It's not like he's getting nothing out of it. Clearly, he's getting a whole new audience in a way. But it is it is definitely clear that that is kind of his style, not only his work ethic, but also just like his humanity and how he cares for people. And I don't know. I, I The whole Shanna thing, I just... She just doesn't really rub me the right way, if I'm being honest. No, of course not. And especially when you hear, you know, it's one thing to look at her as a celebrity or a figure and and be rubbed the wrong way by her and the way she acts and the way she presents herself on social media and kind of the pettiness of all of it. It's really another thing to view her through the eyes of her own children when her children are saying things about her, because that gives you a whole other different bad taste in your mouth. Right. And also, it's one thing for the kids to share their experience with their mom. I mean, they're ex, you know, expressive teenagers who are being accused of something and kind of firing back. But the way that Shanna's talking about it, you don't see Travis doing that. No, of course not. Because I don't think Travis would ever put his kids in that kind of a position right. or does he need to. Right. Because then automatically you're publicly putting your kids in a situation that is only fueling what is already happening to them when it comes to the media and people's kind of reactions to the situation. It's just a very unfair thing to do. And it comes across to me as very selfish. Yeah, I totally agree with you. But again, who knows? I'm sure we'll find out more and or we won't, but interesting stuff. Anything else you want to mention? I think that's it, kid. Okay. I think so too. Well, we love you guys so much. Julie and I will see you on Thursday for Kardashians. Isabel and I will see you on Friday for Bravo. And like I said, we will be for every show for the rest of this month, putting three Asian-owned businesses in the description. Love you guys. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like, Generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like You shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.